Today's gospel speaks of the need to be prepared for Christ as the true light coming into the world. In commemoration of that coming, we lay candles for the four weeks leading to Christmas and reflect on the coming of Christ. It is significant that the church has always used that language, the coming of Christ, because it speaks to a deep truth. Christ is coming. Christ is always coming, always entering a troubled world, a wounded heart. And so we light the first candle, the candle of hope, and dare to express our longing for peace, for healing, and the well-being of all creation. Together, all loving God, as we enter this Advent season, we open all the dark places in our lives and memories to the healing light of Christ. Show us the creative power of hope. Prepare our hearts to be transformed by you, that we may walk in the light of Christ. Take time in the busyness of this season for quiet reflection, for the light of God's love is discernible everywhere. We will let ourselves be surprised by wonder and set aside time to offer quiet thanks. The good news of Advent is... This, Christ is coming. Christ is always coming. We will welcome Christ into our hearts. We will let ourselves be guided by his ministry. We will live in hope. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name, through Christ our Lord. Almighty God, give us grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life, in which thy Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the quick and the dead, we may rise through the life immortal through him who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. A reading from Isaiah. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning... Judah and Jerusalem. In the in days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. 
He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us say together Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Now our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is at unity with itself, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, the assembly of Israel, to praise the name of the Lord. For there are the thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and quietness within your towers. For my brethren and companions' sake, I pray for your prosperity. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek to do you good. Our second reading is from Romans. You know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling or drunkenness, not in debauchery or licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Lord, Lord, Lord. On the Mount of Olives, Jesus said to his disciples privately about his coming. But about that day and hour, no one knows. Neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then Two will be in the field, one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day the, the, your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake 
and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Son and Holy Spirit. You've heard, you may be seated. You've heard the expression, it's always darkest before dawn. Now, the expression means things will get better even if it feels hopeless now. Although I always appreciated the late Senator John McCain's uh, take on this, where he would say, well, you know, it always is the darkest before it goes completely pitch black. <laughs> the world is already celebrating Christmas. Lights are up, houses are decorating. We have canned music permeating every corner. As Christians, we're called to fall back a little bit, to live in the tension with the world. Advent is a season of hopeful expectation, anticipation, waiting. But even before we get to the hopeful expectation, there is darkness. St. Paul says, and of course our collect quotes it, cast away the works of darkness and put upon us the armor of light. The season is fits in this theme of darkness, especially, at least for those of us who live in the Northern Hemisphere, it is a time when it is physically getting darker. In fact, we've had at my house at least three times now in the last month this conversation where Aaron will say, do you want to go watch a movie or maybe we should just go to bed? It's getting late and I'll go, it's only 6.30. Darkness is something we would probably like to avoid, especially the metaphorical meaning of darkness. It's probably true of all humans, particularly in our culture of optimism. Now, optimism is a great thing in some respects, but optimism should not shield us from the reality that the world has difficulties and darkness. It cannot and should not hide these parts because the dark parts of life are still part of life. It's kind of like how people talk about doing things that make them happy. You know, I just want to be happy. You know, people say this all the time. And everyone should experience happiness. That, that, I think, is absolutely a part of life. Joy is a part of life. But we, want to, we can't forget that in that happiness, you cannot know happiness unless you also know its correlation. The things, those negative emotions like sadness, anger, and frustration. We have to grapple with the fact that we as human beings live 
with a full range of emotions. And we experience those. We need to embrace that darkness as well as the light. Jesus in the gospel talks about the time that is coming. <clears throat> and he says, you will not know the day or the hour. They even say people will look for those signs, but you won't know. I find it interesting, too, in this gospel that <clears throat> Jesus even takes his disciples in private and says this to them. It's not a public discourse. But he says, you know, just like in the days of Noah, things were going on, and then that day will come, and no one will expect it. There will be two in a field, one will be taken, one will be left. It's a little bit ominous. These are frightening images that we grapple with always on this first Sunday of Advent. It's further heightened by American evangelicalism's ideas that we've been bombarded with around the end of the world, which are probably not even biblical images, by the way, but are images born out of tradition and somewhat in popular culture. But it's reflective of how Jesus's earliest followers sort of assumed how things might happen too. Jesus was about to come back, we just wait a little longer. That's how they thought in those first in the first century. But of course here we are a couple millennia later. Doesn't seem like there might be a whole lot of signs of the second coming. When will it be? Nobody knows the day or the hour. Your guess is as good as mine. Maybe tomorrow, maybe in a million years. <clears throat> One of the things I think is helpful to think about is that idea of preparedness. Now, Jesus gives us this kind of hint about not knowing, and I think in a way it's to create a sense of urgency. I found in leadership, if there is no sense of urgency, it's really hard to convince people to do something. You know, I mean, since we're in the middle of stewardship season, I gotta always put in a little bit of plug here. You know, otherwise I wouldn't be doing my job, right? Um, but I found it's really hard to raise money, a lot of money, if the roof is about, it's, it's much easier to raise money if the roof is about to fall in than it is to just keep operations going, right? Kind of understand that, you know. Oh, well, I mean, we see water dripping down, you know, and we're, or, you know, there's a big hole in the floor somewhere, and people are going, yeah, we gotta fix that. But then, you know, you'd say, oh, well, you know, we gotta keep the lights on for another year, and everyone's like, yeah. But of course, you know, the reality is that both are actually quite urgent in a way. <clears throat> But now Jesus is not saying here the roof is going to fall in. But what he is saying is that we need to live as if he is saying that. Does that make sense? We need to live as if there is a sense of urgency. What if we knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow? How would we act? If you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, who would you call to say that you love them? 
If you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, who would you sit down and reconcile with? If you knew Jesus was coming back, what would you do or how would you spend this last day? And the funny part about these apocalyptic readings in Scripture are that this is actually what we are called to do all the time. We are called to live spiritually as if there is no tomorrow. I'm not saying you should go mooting, of course, but we should have a sense of urgency that old grudges need to go away, that people need to be shown that they are loved, that generosity should abound, and our lives should be found blameless and holy. So where is the light in all this darkness? Where is the light in the preparedness? Put upon us the armor of light. Even though there is darkness, through that darkness there is light. Through a sense of urgency, we will find relief. And this is how we are called to live in this Advent season, with the tension of knowing that God's promise is coming and we still have to wait. <clears throat> with the tension of knowing that Christmas is sort of on top of us, but yet we've only lit the first candle that sense of urgency. Because with urgency, we, we can live with godliness. And with darkness, we can live for a longing for light. Amen. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, the Maker of heaven of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things are made, for us and for our salvation, he came out from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary, and he was made man. For our sake he was crucified and not justified. He brought up death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
Let us pray for the whole state of Christ's church and the world. Almighty and ever-living God, who in thy holy word has taught us to make prayers and supplications and to give thanks for all men, receive these our prayers which we offer unto thy divine majesty, beseeching thee to inspire continually the universal church and the spirit of truth, unity, and concord. And grant that all those who do confess thy holy name may agree in the truth of thy holy word and live in unity and godly love. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Give grace, O Heavenly Father, to all bishops and other ministers, especially Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael, our presiding bishop, Jeff, our bishop, Matthew, our interim priest, Jessica and Becky, our wardens, Phil, Connie, Deanna, and Pat, our vestry and clerk, that they may, both by their life and doctrine, set forth thy true and lively word, and rightly and duly administer thy holy sacraments. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. And to all thy people give thy heavenly grace, and especially to this congregation here present, and in our prayer cycle of prayer to Kevin Monteith and Greg and Suzanne Nelson, and for those celebrating his birthdays, Elizabeth Peters and Sandy McCann, that with meek heart and due reverence, they may hear and receive thy holy word, truly serving thee in holiness and righteousness all the days of their life. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We beseech thee also so to rule the hearts of those who bear the authority of government in this and every land, that they may be led to wise decisions and right actions for the welfare and peace of the world. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Open, O Lord, the eyes of all people to behold thy gracious hand in all thy works, that rejoicing in thy whole creation, they may honor thee with their substance and be faithful stewards of thy bounty. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. And we most humbly beseech thee of thy goodness, O Lord, to comfort and succor Margie, Jane, Sue, Betty, Payne, Mary, Jerry, Lana, Sharon, David, Jimmy, Tommy, Jill, and all those who in this transitory life are in trouble, sorrow, need, sickness, or any other adversity. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We also bless thy holy name for all thy servants departed this life in thy faith and fear, beseeching thee to grant them continual growth in thy love and service, and to grant us grace so to follow the good examples of St. John the Divine and all thy saints, that with them we may be partakers of thy heavenly kingdom. Grant these our prayers, O Father, for Christ Jesus' sake, our only mediator and advocate. Amen. Ye who do truly and earnestly repent you of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbors and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God and walking from henceforth in his holy ways, draw near with faith and make your humble confession to Almighty God devoutly kneeling. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all men, we 
we acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed by thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty, provoking most justly thy wrath and indignation against us. We do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous unto us, but the burden of them is intolerable. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. For thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that has passed, and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please thee in goodness of life, to the honor and glory of thy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of his great mercy hath promised forgiveness of sins to all those who, with hearty repentance and true faith, turn unto him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. Thank you for joining the St. John the Divine podcast. If you're interested in worshiping with us, you can visit us at 9 a.m. at our church, which is at 216 East Chandler Boulevard in Burlington, Wisconsin. If you want to learn more about us, you can click the link in the description or visit St. John the Divine Org. Just remember, we're the one in Burlington, Wisconsin, not the Cathedral in New York. Have a great day. Bye.